Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On this week's episode of the Green Street Hammers podcast, we recap the Chelsea draw and massive Macclesfield win. We jump into some Twitter questions too, and then preview the upcoming Manchester United match. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. Alright, welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. This is episode three that we are on here. And uh, again, uh, this is like a, I feel like maybe we're to blame for this, but ever since we started doing this podcast, there's been uh, an air of positivity and good results and and we're coming off two more. Um, With me as always is a site expert at greenstreethammers.com from Fansided. We have Scott Johnson. Scott, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. How can you not be after an 8-0 win? I uh, still can't believe it, really. We're all happy hammers. 8-0 and, and two consecutive clean sheets as well, which is nice to see finally. Yeah, uh, I'd say people, one of the big criticisms of uh, Pellegrini was this high line. I mean, I, we're talking about Macclesfield, so I was hoping for a clean sheet. But against Chelsea, keeping a clean sheet was uh, no mean feat. And I think everyone should be happy with that. Yeah, judging by the high line against Macclesfield, it looked like they kept that at inside Macclesfield's own half, which seemed to work for most of the match, so that's uh, <laughs> that's solid there. Um, but we do have, um, at the time of recording, some breaking news, and that is uh, regarding West Ham's former manager, Slavin Bilic. Bilic has signed a contract to become Saudi Arabia club Al-Ittihad FC's coach, uh, or manager, sorry. I don't know if I'm saying that right, um, but uh, I guess good for him getting another job? No, I mean, yeah, it's always nice to work, I suppose, but we're talking about uh, with this year, you would hope that um, he could have got a job somewhere in Europe, but I don't know, uh, we were talking prior to the show, like nowhere in Croatia offering him a job or something like this, but was it Al Itihad? I mean, the second bottom from the league at the moment I mean their season's just started as well but they're I don't know maybe the payday is better in uh, Saudi Arabia than he would he could get in a uh, sort of a second division or a lower club in Europe yeah it seems like we both agree it seems kind of uh, I don't know interesting Uh, an interesting decision but yeah it must be it must be money over over familiarity for him but I mean good for him maybe uh, there's sort of an initiative going on there in the Saudi Arabian League, Saudi Arabian League to uh, to get some more European kind of influence in there and grow the game a little bit I know in China right now there's a big push for hockey players so you have the Wayne Gretzky arenas and hockey camps and everything going up like Matt over there to try and inspire them to create a international contender so maybe maybe Slavin Bilic is the the Wayne Gretzky of Saudi Arabia crazier takes yeah. oh well, I say we'll see uh, we could be talking about how uh, Slavin Belich uh, kickstarts a, uh, a football uh, revolution in Saudi Arabia but um, I'm I'm not going to say much more about that because I don't think it's going to happen <laughs> well what we can start with is something that we do know about is the result that West Ham got at Chelsea this weekend uh, sorry that Chelsea got at West Ham I should say uh, the score ended 0-0 0-0 uh, and it was the first clean sheet for keeper Fabianski, who made six saves in the match. Uh, I had him as my man of the match. What are you thinking on that? I think uh, I think Yarmolenko was voted that at the game. Yeah, I, I, he was voted it, but I think it's natural tendency for uh, fans, especially social media fans, to sort of pick the attacking player. Yarmolenko did look like a good outlet. Um, he played well. Um, it was a shame that he couldn't finish that chance in the Oof, second half. That was uh, tough but, to watch. Uh, yeah, so I would definitely look at one of the defensive players. Fabianski played well for me. I thought Rice was exceptional um, at picking up different men as they uh, came into the attacking half. Hazard didn't get a chance, despite the fact he'd been rested that midweek. Um, really didn't 
uh, sort of come alive in that match. I think uh, Rice had a lot to part, um, a big part to play in that. And I thought uh, Zavaleta played well, uh, given that he had to deal with William and Hazard at different times. Uh, there was only one point where I thought, oh dear, uh, I think where William just uh, just flicked around uh, around him and went. He's not catching him there. But uh, apart from that, I thought he was exceptional, and I think he offers a lot to the back line that's uh, sort of new and uh, sort of uh, probably a little bit more exuberant than Pellegrini is used to. I mean, Masuaku isn't a out and out left back he's probably more of a wing back uh, midfield uh, left midfielder uh, so I have Zabalata on that right hand side really calming and like keeping things in check uh, I mean Balbuena looks like he'll get there for sure um, but he's new to the Premier League as well so it's quite nice to have someone with the experience of Zabalata alongside him just to keep it all in line and I think I think he played exceptionally well yeah, that experience certainly helped him. He, he knows when to jump forward. He knows when to get back. And uh, against uh, against Everton, you saw a lot of Zabaleta jumping jumping up in play and actually t- filling up that vacancy on the right hand side behind Yarmolenko. Uh, but in this match, you didn't see him pushing up as much. And I think he was you know giving it, uh, Willian or Hazard a yard or two to actually help him defend, which is smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna use your brain over your physical capabilities if you can. So. Um, play smart, not hard, is the old adage. So Zabaleta showed that off, and I think yeah, he he was he, he had a he had a good match there, and and as well the the center back pairing. I think Diop, Rice, and Zabaleta got got in on Alan Shearer's team of the week or team of the yeah team of the week is what he did. So um, three West Ham players, all defensive in positioning, is pretty impressive. Uh, but when you shut out the best team in the Premier League at the time, uh, that's a a pretty big. You know, accolade that you can wear. The first drop points for Chelsea, which is good, but um, you did bring up Yarmolenko's header in that match. Uh, it was a missed opportunity. You know what? I It's all it's karma, because we all laughed at Mamadou Sacco's missed header on the week before when he sent it across the front of the net. I don't, I don't know if you saw it or not, but it was to, to win the match for Crystal Palace. He was in front of the opposition's that keeper was out. He sent it from... He was standing at the far right post, sent it all the way across the front and out for a goal kick across the left side and was just holding his head. Something I did pick up on, Lucas Perez was on the pitch. He immediately ran over to Yarmolenko, put his arm around him, grabbed him, gave him a pat on the back, and sort of picked him up and, and pushed him forward. You know, you, you have to sort of take those chances, but I'll, I'll give Yarmolenko the benefit of the doubt on this one. Yeah, look, I mean, we, he kind of has a, a little spare because he scored two week four. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, once someone's missed it, it's not... Like they're not going. Oh well, I did my best. He knows he should have scored it, so totally. there's no point in going over and berating him. So that kind of like helping him back and that kind of thing that makes sense. I mean, uh, if you saw Yamalenko's Instagram, there was um, some uh, light-hearted uh, uh, digging at him. Squarehead. Um, <laughs> squarehead. That was, uh, I did enjoy that, and um, I think that's part of it. You just have to you have to get on with it. He knows. He has to score those in the future, and he knows if we had scored it, like things look really rosy right now, uh, and we're in a better position. But he's got to go out and uh, make sure that that doesn't happen again, and that he like he helps the team pick up more points in the future. Uh, I don't think there's anything apart from that um, that he can do. Mistakes happen. We're all human. I hope he doesn't make the same mistake again. You know he's going to be drilling those headers in, in practice now. Um, actually, Scott Davis, who's at, at Denver West Ham on Twitter, uh, Canadian West Ham fan from the state or living in the states, went over there and was at the match. He said actually on Twitter that their whole section turned around and looked up at at Arnautovic after that, who was like visibly pissed off at, at Yarmolenko. So uh, you can tell there's a bit of a bromance going on between those players, and it's nice to see that. He want, you know wants the best for him rather than being un- uninspired or un- uninvolved in what's going on on the pitch. So despite Arnautovic not being there, uh, it's good to see him still involved. And in Arnautovic's place was Antonio. He missed two chances that probably should have gone in. Uh, how do you how do you rate him stepping in as a center forward there? Uh, well, so when the lineup was announced, I thought it was a bit strange that Perez wasn't starting but then when I saw the way we were setting up I thought it, it did make sense to play him because we were set up deep um, I mean when we know we got uh, some slack, uh, slack on um, 
social media for parking the buses, so so called. But I think what we set up was to play deep, suck them in, and then uh, hit them fast on the break. I mean, with Anderson, Yarmolenko, and Antonio up front, uh, really, we did. I mean, we only had sort of like I can't about twenty nine percent of the ball, or something like that. But yeah. we had some really incisive attacks. Um, and Antonio, whilst he has that pace, just doesn't seem to have the technical ability to be able to deal with the sort of chances that that kind of brings. Um, he had two chances, one from wide on his left foot, and I just don't trust him on his left foot. Um, he doesn't seem to have the kind of uh, awareness to just think about what he needs to do. Uh, at that point, you're just sort of going, drill it low, across the goal, Maybe that maybe Kepa spills it, sets something up, or or it goes in, but uh, it's flown over the net and the chance is gone. I don't think it's necessarily a you have to score that one because it is on his weaker foot. He's going all, like slightly away from goal. It's tough, but I do expect him to do better than just missing the target. And uh, the second one when it was like three yards out, uh, tough. I mean, tough. I mean, he makes a weird run to start off with because he takes all the space away from Yarmolenko anyway. Um, I, I would, if I, I say I play midfield, sometimes I play winger for my Sunday league side, and if my striker ran towards me like that when it was like it's effectively like two on two, I'd be like, "What? What are you doing? Like, you are you've 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 taken any space away from me there?" And then, um, yeah, and uh, but the ball does fall to him and. Yeah, it's just straight at the keeper again. Just a little bit more intelligence from that, from that uh, distance. Unless you keep it on the ground or you go higher, the chances are it's just hitting the keeper because there's just like body to goal space is just uh, it's just too much. Um, so I'm not sure he's got the sort of the game intelligence there to really deal with it. And I didn't see too much more of it on. Macclesfield game, the parts I saw. I mean, that was four, half four kickoff for me here in the morning, so I was not up for that one. Um, a bit annoyed I didn't get up for, but uh, there wasn't. I don't think there was a stream anyway to actually no, watch it. No stream. Uh, so. To round out the Chelsea match, though, Jorginho did set the Premier League single match passing record with 180 completed passes. But the fact that they didn't have anything to show for that, I think, is a testament again to West Ham. Uh, they were just sort of passing it around the top, back and forth, back and forth, probing in, holding possession and not doing anything. So uh, take your take your trophy there, and, and we're, we're happy to let you have the most passes if it means no goals against, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, it's a, I, say, I think I said last week that stats are, stats are one thing, but it's, it's about goals, and that, uh, that's the end of the game. All right, so as you said, there weren't many goals or any goals to talk about in the Chelsea match, but we do have... A, more than a handful to talk about in the Macclesfield match and, and thankfully they're all for West Ham uh, an 8-0 victory over the bottom of League 2 team Macclesfield Town uh, like you said no stream for this match uh, other than a radio stream which I, I actually listened along to which was actually it was kind of fun it was throwing it back the only thing I'll complain about um, about the radio stream because I was thankful that it was there the only thing I'll complain about is the fact that it was the BBC radio uh, stream so the the announcer the presenter would do uh, little like updates live during the broadcast for the BBC radio uh, like the home channel so you can just listen to one channel get all the updates on all the matches so she would say things like it would be like oh and Connor Coventry is carrying the ball up to the up to the byline and he uh, he passes it off another one goes in here and this time it's for uh, Macclesfield Town just kidding another one for West Ham I'm like what what is happening and then. She kind of throws it back to the to the main office or the, the main uh, broadcasting studio, and I'm like, oh, she would give some heads up, but other than that, a couple times I'm like, is it fourteen nothing? What what's the score? I don't I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> but I mean, if that's your only complaint about a match, not too bad. No, I say um, I I woke up uh, sort of halfway through the second half, um, so I thought I'd pay attention, and again, people saying, oh, it's just Macclesfield, but. We haven't won that big in years. I mean, last year we struggled past Shrewsbury. Uh, I just we're, we're talking a, a different animal. I mean, we've seen before where we've gone two 0 up against these lower league sides, and the head just goes, "Okay, we're switched off now. We've won this game. No need to press on. No need to do anything." But 
it's nice to see a team that actually pushes and actually goes for it because that's what that's what they're there to do. They're there to play football and they're there to that keep the intensity up and it's good practice to really keep going. Um, from everything I've seen, Macclesfield did look very poor. I mean, it's why they're so low down in the league too. But um, yeah, I, I can't fault what the, the guys did. They uh, You can only beat the play, players that are in front of you and they did. Uh, everyone looked good. Um, I would have liked to have seen um, a bit more from Antonio and Perez uh, but I mean Perez got his first goal for the club which is big it's a big monkey off his back on a volley and too which was nice players. yeah uh, so the um, yeah the, the youth players that came in looked really good as well so I mean there's there's a lot more there's a lot of positives from that game and uh, Pellegrini balanced the side well I think yeah, and I think like there was probably three things, maybe four things we wanted to see happen in this match. A West Ham dominant win, check. Youth players getting involved. Grady Diangana started and started in the match. Uh, Joe Powell looked great. Connor Coventry looked great as well, so check. Uh, we wanted to see some players who had slow starts get some goals and get in the action. Perez scored. Antonio scored a header, which, thank God, it hasn't been since the bowl since he's been doing that. And then uh, Ryan Fredericks had an absolute thunderbolt to the top corner, which was awesome. And then the last thing we wanted and we didn't get, the only thing we didn't get was no injuries. And it looks yeah. like Carlos Sanchez uh, will be done for the season after picking up a knee injury. Uh, I think Hammers Chat first reported that. So uh, whoever their source is there has some early news because it sounds like West Ham will be without La Roca for the rest of the season. Um, kind of depressing because he, he had earned, an earned a start, earned a bench, uh, a benching after a terrible giveaway against Wolves. And was probably going to be one of those players we wanted to see step in and have a good a good match and get back into the Pellegrini's good graces again. Yeah, I mean, as you say, just to lose a player for that long, um, I say with it's a it looks like it's a medial uh, ligament injury. So you're talking uh, if it's a tear, you're talking minimum like three months, and that's uh, that's if it's a nice one as such. Like it, as as much as a t- ligament tear can be nice, um, but yeah chances are we won't see much of him at all if anything for the rest of the year uh, if it's anything as bad as some of the um, reports coming out I think uh, Matty Lawless has said that it's not uh, it's not looking good I'll wait and see what the official word is but no it's not great uh, because as you say this would have been a nice match for him to sort of just get in uh, get some minutes under his belt and hopefully not have to do too much because we were playing a lower league opposition what was good was uh, when Rice was brought on, the, the reception was great for him. Uh, there was, yeah, a lot of people really excited to see him, and he looked good, happy being out there still. So, yeah, um, it's a shame for Sanchez, but I think we have cover in that position, and moving forward, hopefully it means that we start maybe starting to see some of these more, uh, the younger players come up. Yeah, and you took the words out of my mouth. The silver lining for the Sanchez injury was Rice coming on, and uh, didn't get to visually see any of the match. But if you look at the if you look at the match uh, highlights on the West Ham app, you can really see how dominant Rice was. He was everywhere. Anytime the ball would leave the box, he was the first one to it. Um, he worked well with Diangana early, and then uh, that switched over to uh, that switched over to Powell and Coventry when they came on. But uh, he also got his first assist of the season which was great to see and it was a, a pass that again Dean got a fought for off of a deflected corner kick Rice cr- uh, collected the ball put it back across the front of the net with a really nice weighted cross and Antonio gets his first headed goal of the season which is great uh, if you look at the highlights uh, even on Ryan Frederick's goal where he's on the right side comes across and, and puts it in top corner the play starts on the left hand side the Macclesfield player does well to sort of hold the ball and, and push Rice off. He takes it right to the sideline, and as he's sort of playing with it, Rice sticks a leg around, pokes it free. The ball goes into Macclesfield Town's zone, or end rather, flipped across field, switched play, and, and Fredericks puts it in. So he he's out there, and he's organizing the team. He's getting involved, and there's also reports of another more towards Rice's liking contract going out today. Um, it's getting a little bit embarrassing, well, a lot embarrassing, uh, that this is taking so long because everyone's saying pay the man pay the man pay the man uh and i agree pay the man pay the man pay the man but uh things like this take time uh i also 
kind of with the amount of wages West Ham have taken on all of a sudden, it, it's you can see their their desire to maybe not add on another thirty five thousand pounds a week. Uh, but when is your your you know the next captain of your team, and when it's the heartbeat of your midfield right now, besides Mark Noble, you kind of got to make that sacrifice. So uh, as far as Macclesfield goes, Rice is in the good books as he always was. I think he could have been the man of the match as well. But uh, it was really one one other player's night. And it wasn't Robert Snodgrass, despite him getting two goals, but it was it was Grady Diangana. So uh, a youth prospect there showing up and having a, one hell of a game. Yeah, I mean, when you get your first start for the club and you pick up two goals, that's pretty much a dream uh, for any any youngster. And the fact that he's just gone and done it at home, London Stadium, it's got to feel special. Um, and he looked good. Uh, the fact he played the full 90 is a great testament to his ability uh, and how much Pellegrini does trust him uh, I mean the game position obviously helped I mean as soon as we were a few goals up you're probably looking at him going yeah we'll keep him on for the full 90 give him a full run out uh, but he's versatile he can play across the front line uh, I think originally he was a striker but he's played more as a winger now uh, and he looked good in that that position sort of isolating a one-on-one with the fullbacks a lot of the time and I, yeah um, Pellegrini's ethos is kind of to keep the under 23s playing with the first team regularly and I think that's really helping uh, it's really sort of uh, giving the under 23s that goal and you saw the way they were playing they didn't look like strangers on the pitch they knew what was going on they were sort of friendly with the team they were yeah they, it just looked good it was was nice and fluent whereas before we've seen the youth players step up and they've looked you've been immediately able to tell who the new player is as such uh who that uh person stepping up is because they just look a little bit more isolated uh i think where the bits i've seen uh it doesn't look like that so i think fair credit to pellegrini for getting that but i say two goals in your debut absolutely brilliant and i hope we see more of him this season yeah, he, he like you said, he didn't look out of place. He kind of had that swagger to him of, of sort of being uh, looking like you belong. Um, but yeah, just just going off the the stats in this match, uh, seven assists for West Ham. They had twenty one shots, twelve on goal, thirteen corner kicks, nine crosses. Uh, possession was at seventy six percent. So they, they dominated in all aspects of that. But Grady Diangana was was a massive a massive part of that. He scored in the seven, uh, 67th minute and the 82nd minute. And uh, Joe Powell, his compatriot of the development squad, came on for Antonio in the 61st minute and assisted both of those goals shortly thereafter, uh, playing just about uh, 30 minutes of, of football there. Coventry came on at half, so he got a full half of, of midfield play. Um, but, yeah, I think it was – there's not too much else we can really say about it at this point because it was just so dominant, but uh, – youth being in and, and there being sort of this uh, the, this sort of injection of comfortable players was definitely good to see yeah I mean you can't really take it as negative we, we beat a, a lower league team but as I said we haven't done it this, this much in well, I think it was about 30 years or 34 years or something crazy 1983 I think it was the last time there was this yeah, much of a lopsided win yeah 83 or 84 and it's just like well okay look Yes, they were the last ranked side in the league, uh, in the competition. Sorry, uh, we got we took it to them. Um, we dominated. The intensity was good, and to have that number of academy players, not just youth players, but people that have come through our academy, and that's a really good sign for the club. And I don't think you should be looking at the fact that they're. Like, you shouldn't be sort of like marking it with an asterisk and going, "Oh, Macclesfield, it doesn't particularly count." These these players played well. And the um, they took their chances. I mean, you can't have a go at them because that chance was against Macclesfield. Yeah, I think that wraps it up pretty well for the Macclesfield match. But up next will be questions that we have from our social media followers. All right, so social media questions. Again, if you're not following us on Twitter, uh, please feel free to do so. We are going to be asking uh, our, our followers here for just topics that they want mentioned that they haven't seen around or they want to get into further with some different opinions on it. We are at Green ST Hammers. Uh, you'll see the blue check and the wonderful logo there. So, uh, again, follow us there. We'll keep you updated on uh, on our podcast and the uh, articles, content we're putting out here. So, uh 
we'll jump into the first question here. It comes from the West Hammer at USA WHU. Does Wilshire have a spot in the team once healthy? And uh, Scott, I'll defer to you on this first one here. Uh, I mean, it's a tricky one because I, he didn't play particularly well at the start of the season. Um, I mean, for, for him, it's a case of he got injured and then we started winning. And well, we haven't, we've played well since. I don't think that's a fair reflection on his contribution. I think he's a decent player. I think he has something to offer. Um, he has a spot. I'm not sure if it's going to be straight back in at starting uh, 11 again. Uh, people have to earn that. Uh, and you're looking at, if, if we're playing midfield three, then it's Rice, Obiang, Noble at the moment. If one, if one of um, Obiang and Noble start having a, a poorer game or a run of bad games, get injured, um, we've seen Noble pick up a few injuries over the past past few seasons, then yeah, I think he has a spot. I just think he has to work out what he's going to bring because he has so many different ways he can play. He, we've seen him play sort of like a number 10 role for Arsenal in England. We've seen him play sort of more of a deep lying, a quarterback role. And he can play that for West Ham. He can do that sort of sitting in front of Rice, uh, marshalling play the way Noble did uh, against Chelsea. I, I don't think we mentioned how well Noble played there but it's at the moment he doesn't walk straight back into the first 11 no um but yeah he, he he walks straight back onto the bench especially with sanchez injured now um you have to look at that and go he's definitely good enough um and he just has to work out what role he's gonna play yeah i agree with that there, there's there's people ahead of him now who took their opportunities better uh or more effectively than he did I think this is this is using my crystal ball again. It came out last week, but uh, I'll bring it out here as well. Um, there's going to be, in my estimation, something along these lines that happens. So Wilshire returns to training, and he's going to get in the sub appearance, maybe a second half, 30 minutes of, of, of game action. And he'll, this was supposed to be at the end of November, I think that he's back. I assume he'll probably be back earlier than that, or be at least in training around mid, uh, sorry, the end of October. So that's my prediction on that but uh he uh he's gonna get in that 30 minutes and then what you're gonna see is a late fitness test for either uh probably mark noble realistically um but something will maybe will come up with uh pedro obiang or that's what they'll put out and wilshire steps into the team and ideally i think visually what the club probably want is mark noble jack wilshire and declan rice in that central midfield because you have the you know the the past, the present, and the future captains of West Ham. If you want, they're all British. They're all ready to sort of fight for the team. And you, you there's something, there's an intangible to having that British core in, in the middle of your field there. So um, I think that maybe romantically that's what will be desired. But um, yeah, I think you, you said it. You said it right that there's people that have taken their chances ahead of them. And Pedro Obiang may be the one that has to sacrifice when Noble comes or when uh, Wilshire rather comes back because I think what a lot of Obiang does isn't um, isn't mentioned in the same light as Noble because he's not Mr. West Ham he's not English he hasn't been with the club for forever but he's a really strong tackler he can turn up field in the pinch he's a good passer it's you know it's what you want out of a midfielder but uh, he's just unfortunately not uh, as tenured at West Ham as uh, as Mark Noble but I think that's a good question there because you know, I think Wilshire can maybe maybe play that advanced midfield role uh, with Noble and uh, Rice sat in behind them in a in a midfield three better than Pedro Obiang can actually. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Wilshire has all of the right sort of ingredients, right attributes to play that role. Um, but he has to work out how he's going to do it because the first few games we saw with him and Noble is they they seem to be treading on each other's toes. Uh, I don't know if that was I mean we didn't see the rice back in defensive midfield again until Everton and maybe rice at the first game of the season against Liverpool is not a great marker but they didn't look like they each had their own roles where when we played Everton when we played Chelsea those three really they didn't get in each other's way they knew what they were doing um and if Wilshire can slot back in yeah I think he, of course he has the space uh, I think he's a very talented very talented player and he wants to play for West Ham so there's always there's always a way that he can nail down that that midfield three and as you say uh, the West Ham fans would love it to be sort of a British contingent in the centre 
and it just gives it uh, a little bit more uh, sort of uh, grounding for the fans and something that they they can look to. Yeah, I can't I can't disagree with you on that one there. And we will jump along to uh, the next question that we got here, and it's a little bit more uh, lofty and a little bit more. I don't know, exciting to talk about, we'll say, but uh, this one comes from at Iron Mike WHU, and he asked, what areas do you feel the club should address in the January transfer window, and who should be sold, or is it too early to tell? Uh, again, I'll, I'll defer to you here, so let me know your vast plans. It's, well, I mean, he kind of touched on it towards the end. It is very early. We're, we're talking about sort of six, seven games into our season overall, um, but there are some areas that I think do need looking at. Uh, I think we saw against Chelsea, as soon as uh, Arnautovic was out, we didn't have a like-for-like replacement. So you can talk about Perez and uh, Chicharito when he's back, but they're not like-for-like. You don't take Arnautovic in, out, and put uh, Perez in, and suddenly have the same kind of team. It's That's a problem area for us, because I don't want to have to be changing a lot. Um, both Perez and Chicharito can play well potentially with Arnautovic, but I'm not sure that they are solo strikers um, for this this makeup of side. So I think that's an area we potentially need to look at. A lot of people were looking at uh, defensive midfield in preseason uh, in over the summer. I um, mean, we signed Sanchez for that reason, but now he's injured. Rice has stepped up, but if Rice gets injured, where do we go then? Probably needs something. Uh, I. But I don't want to be the guy that then replaces Rice. I, I don't know if it's worth going out and spending big on a defensive midfielder and uh, and replacing Rice when he's coming in. He's looking good. Uh, he's progressing through. So I'm not sure whether that's worth a big investment. I'm not sure what the club are going to do there. But that's an area of issue. The only or the biggest big area that I think we could spend some money on um, is potentially left back. Uh, Masaraku is a, a decent player. Uh, I'm not sure he's Premier League defensive standard. Uh, I think he great going forward, great on the ball. Cresswell, I'm yeah, I've lost a lot of confidence in. And uh, we talked about it. Uh, either, I think it was the first episode we talked about um, his sort of uh, commitment into in the tackle, which just sort of seems to have died off. He just doesn't seem as confident. He would probably be one of my players that, if we did sign a left back, uh, Cresswell will probably be one of my markers to sell. I'm not sure he offers too much to the club um, at the moment, especially at Premier League level. I don't think he's I think he's a potential liability now. Uh, I know he's got a lot of assists last season, but um, I'm not marking my defenders on assists. I want them to be committed in the back and not let goals in. And I'm not sure he does that. So... Yeah, Cresswell potentially gets sold, and the other player I would look at is Antonio. I don't know where he really fits in anymore. I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's the same level as uh, Yarmolenko, Anderson, and we've got some young players coming up that really look like they could be pushing him soon. It was a shame that Zande Silva got injured, but by the look of it, he's more technically adept. Nathan Holland on the other wing. Yeah, we've got these players that could be pushing Antonio out soon, and I I wouldn't be too worried about selling him. Yeah, I, I think you mirror a lot of the things that I think about this. Um, the one name that comes to mind when it comes to so for me, uh, striker was was what we need, and like you said, they can the ones we do have that are on the bench, whether it be Chicharito or Lucas Perez, can play alongside Arnautovic. But when he picks up a knock, which he plays a hard style and he plays a lot of minutes, so that's going to happen. We don't have a natural replacement for him, hence Antonio stepping in there. But I think the links that we had earlier uh, in the in the summer window to Marega from Porto, he's a big, strong, physical center forward who will get up, win the ball in the air, but also can hold up play by himself until he gets some support. I think that's going to be a name that we hear some more. Um, he's going to be expensive. The, the rumors are probably in the, in the high 20s uh, when it comes to price. Um, but he's he's young enough. He you know he's strong. He's physically fits that bill, uh, and you do have the ability to sort of temper him into Premier League football by having Arnautovic there. So if as long as there's you know knock on wood, touch wood, there's there's no injuries that take him out of the lineup. 
Um, that would be who I target. Uh, and then a name that just popped up, uh, especially with the Sanchez injury, but a name that popped up uh, in the free agent market is Didier Ndong, uh, 24 years old. He just got his contract terminated from Sunderland. I don't know exactly what happened with that or why that happened to him. Uh, I think it was just underperforming, but he was a, uh, a very highly touted player. Came from Watford, to, uh, from Sunderland to Watford, then to Watford to Sunderland on some loans, and uh, he ended up at Sunderland uh, permanently and now is without a club. So I think uh, I think there's there's got to be something going on there. He's young too. He's only 24. Uh, defensive midfielder, so he's just a, a big body there. He's you know he he's highly touted and he he fits the bill and I think if you bring him in as a depth player and don't expect him to save your team and like we said there's a lot of good players there that uh, that are going to be ahead of him um, there could be a chance that he that he steps in and actually has a, a solid impact for for West Ham if they were to pick him up um, but he probably will have some people uh, looking after him there uh, when it comes to free agents but left back I think you're right there get rid of Cresswell if we can if as long as there's a replacement for him uh, and I think as much as it pains me to say it, if there is a, is a striker center forward brought in, I think it's time to sell Chicharito. He doesn't. I don't think he wants to be here anymore. Uh, he's not starting. He had the out of Slavin Bilic uh, not knowing how to manage a team, and then he had the out of David Moyes not liking him from his days at Manchester United. Now he has a fresh slate, and he has Manuel Pellegrini, and he can't get into the team. And he's also he picked up injuries last year. He's been sick this year. Um, he, he wasn't able to play or, or even feature on the bench uh, against Macclesfield Town midweek. So there's a lot of question marks surrounding uh, surrounding Chicharito, and it, it makes me nervous. And I think, much like Antonio, if you can move him in January, you'll probably get the most value that you're going to have, uh, moving forward. And the play of players like Zonda Silva and Grady Diangana, as, as small as the sample size is, if those players continue to impress this year, you may see uh, this sort of wave of, of you know youth players coming forward and, and moving up into the team and taking those positions or at least filling them if there is a need for them to be filled yeah I mean uh, January transfer window is hectic uh, so you don't know who's going to need what who's going to be selling who it's it's a tough time to do real business so I mean to pick up players that are going to be as you say depth players I'm I'm not like the left back is, is a, it's going to be it would be a tough ask to sign a first team left back in January because that means someone's selling one and there's not too many teams out there who are going to be happy selling a first team left back like a Premier League quality left back um, in an, halfway through a season so that would be tough uh, so if we could pick up a depth player um, or two that's great but you also have to again balance that with who's leaving in January that's happy to come into our team but not be a first-team player. Um, it's very tough to pick these kind of players, like the right quality of player up, because we're asking a very specific thing and um, you just don't know who's available. You've only got one month. Uh, it's not like summer where you can sort of put feelers out, um, you can talk to clubs, talk to agents um, for a lot longer. Um, people kind of tend to make their decisions early and just stick with it because it's such a short time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, well, I think we'll do some business. I think we're in a much better spot than we have been the last few seasons where it's come around to January and gone, oh my God, what's what's going to happen here? So, I mean, so speaking at this very early stage, I think you're, you're right with Chicharito. Um, there probably is going to be someone who wants a finisher in January. Uh, doesn't I don't know which league. But uh, Chicharito has shown that he's happy to play across Europe. Uh, if someone wants to finish out, we'd probably get a decent premium for him. Especially uh, if he went to the MLS. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was big big rumors about him going to the MLS over the summer. Um, and I think that would be a, a potential avenue for him because he would be a key player out there. And the style of Pellegrini wants to play is just... It's always going to be um, hit and miss for Chicharito because I think... Where I think most people are in agreement that him playing up front on his own is always going to be tough in the Premier League. He played well in the um, in the World Cup, but he kind of had a strike partner or a very close number ten to him at all points, and he, they played a very fluid style. Uh, unless we drastically change our style and incorporate that, 
I don't think he's a solo striker for us. Yeah, I, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with that one there. So what we can sort of shift to here is uh, something that we did touch on here with the youth players and the Macclesfield recap, but it's uh, it's sort of a hot topic right now amongst the West Ham accounts on Twitter and social media, and it's who's the next in line when it comes to youth players. So uh, we're each going to sort of highlight and pick players across the three sections of the field, defenders, midfielders, and attackers to highlight uh, on who we think is going to make sort of the next step and, and jump up. And I'm gonna. I'll start here with an attacker. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll pick the easy one here, and it's not gonna be Zonda Silva, who, like you said, was supposed to start and supposed to uh, sort of lead the line for West Ham. Uh, I'm gonna start with, uh, of course, Grady Diangana, uh, the 20-year-old uh, here, just scored two for West Ham. Uh, he looked awesome in this match. He also added an assist as well, I believe, one or two. And in the Premier League two, he does have one goal in five matches. Uh, he could be pushing for a spot on that right wing side. Like you said, he used to be a center forward, but shifted over to the side. Uh, so so I think he could be pushing for, uh, if not uh, a squad position, sort of at least lighting a fire underneath Antonio on the right side. I think Yarmolenko is going to be going forward your, your guy. But if you, need, if you need someone who's quick and who, um, despite size, can hold up play for the last 10 minutes of a match, you know, he may be a solid option for West Ham uh, further down the road if there's someone who leaves the team. Uh, so uh, that, that's that's my pick. Uh, it's an easy one and an obvious one, but my pick for the next attacker up. Who, who do you got there? Uh, so I'm, I'm picking the even more of this one. I've really liked what I've seen from Sunday Silva uh, as an attacker, striker. Uh, again, he plays a sort of mix of winger and striker. And he his name was sort of penciled in before he got injured um, I think a lot of people want to see how he can deal with a first team uh, sort of berth uh, how he can sort of deal with that um, It's he's not going to go on loan uh, because of the way we signed him uh, he's, he's there as a sort of preview like play in the under 23s keep the fitness going and we're moving you up he, he's been regularly training with the first team by photos and accounts so I think he's going to be one to watch um, obviously Dean Garner came in, took his chance absolutely perfectly, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that because say scored two goals professional debut, brilliant and I hope we do see more of him um, but I say for me I think Silver gets a nod for me, uh, it's not uh, nothing on, on Grady, uh, I think just from what I've seen, uh, Zande is very powerful. He's very um, he's very intelligent with his uh, sort of placement and passing. And um, I would love to see how he does in the first team, maybe in the cup next round, or even in a um, even in a league match. Uh, just sort of if we do pick up some injuries, uh, the front end of our team. Yeah, I think he's also interesting because there's almost that ignorance is bliss sort of feeling to it. He was coming from Portugal. Uh, he didn't know the English style, and he's been dominating in Premier League too. So maybe a quick move up is what you actually need for him to sort of keep that uh, that blissful nature about him of just playing football and succeeding. Um, we'll, mo- we'll move on to the midfield here. My pick is uh, he's just he's just 18 years old, English. We share the same birthday, which happens to be September 28th, probably the day you're listening to this if you are. Uh, Alfie Lewis, he is uh, a youngster on the Premier League 2 side. He came up and played for West Ham uh, in the Dagenham Redbridge charity match last year and uh, was the man of the match, I think, in that, in that game. He stood out. Uh, I think one of the – his name was used a lot because people were saying – well, Ben Johnson and Alfie, uh, Alfie Lewis are standing out more than Jordan Hugel. Like, who, who did we sign here? Um, but uh, he, he's looked really solid. He's a central midfielder. He can play, you know, more attacking and more defensive in that. Just sort of a, one of your one of your base level central midfielders. But he looks really poised on the ball. As soon as he gets possession, there's no panic in him. He holds it up well. Uh, he's added uh, one goal this season in six Premier League two matches. So definite positives there likes to go forward and I think you're going to see his name up there but I think it may be behind who you have nabbed as the the next starlet to come out for the midfield yeah I mean my my pick and it would have been before last night as well um, is uh, Joe Powell I think he's a 
I think he's a very talented player. He can play across sort of the attacking midfield range. And uh, I think uh, at points he's even played in at left back because uh, because of his maturity and uh, abilities to do so. Uh, he came on last night for uh, or two nights ago for uh, half an hour, picked up two assists. He's picked up uh, goals and assists so far in the uh, PL2. Uh, he's been dealing with the fact that obviously like you've got players like Nathan Holland um, who again play predominantly on that left hand side and he's adapted really well um, Holland for me again is another player that could be doing this uh, that could be making the jump up very soon again he's unlucky to miss out through injury but um, Joe Powell took his chance and I think he looks a very a very bright uh, prospect um, we've uh, talked about him in pre-season as a potential to fill in in these kind of games and he's shown he has the ability to do it and I don't know what it is I always like uh, watching someone with a nice left foot as well so uh, that's always very uh, pleasing to see all right and we'll, we'll we'll finish here with the with the back line the defenders um for me it's probably a name that's not very popular and someone i had pegged to start but he actually got the late start in the uh, under 23 team match uh it's reese oxford um he's he's someone who's sort of polarizing he's a, a very talented player he's english uh he came up uh he, so he didn't come up through the academy but west ham scooped him up and and it protected him this amount of time, but he seems to just have an attitude problem and not want to be here a lot of the time. You see him wearing other teams' kits. You see him asking to go back to Germany and play where he was with uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach last season. Um, I think he just needs sort of to sit and play football and just get into a groove and things will uh, things will pan out for him. And I think that Pellegrini knows this and obviously likes him enough to not sell him. Um, there were reports that West Ham were looking for a permanent deal for him or Cullen and could only get loans, so they decided to move one of them and Cullen was that person. So uh, I, I do think that he's you know he's, he's a little bit of a contentious player uh, topic when it comes to players, but I think that if he can straighten his head out and maybe get his agent out of his ear, uh, he could be someone that steps up and, and maybe replaces someone like Angelo Ogbonna when it comes to the depth chart at, at, uh, at the centre-back position. Uh, so far this season, let me just pull up my stats here. I got him on hand in uh, two Premier League. Uh, he scored two goals in, in six Premier League two matches as a centre back, and he's been captaining the squad, which I don't think is a coincidence either. You have other players that have been there through the last couple of years that could do that, but I think they're trying to give him more um, more responsibility with the team, give him the armband, let him sort of uh, feel respected, and, and you know. Maybe maybe Pellegrini feels like he hasn't been respected as a as a player or prospect here. So um, you never know with him. I, I do think that West Ham would probably regret letting him go. Uh, but uh, if he wants to go, there's not much you can do at this point. But uh, if he does stay, he's uh, he's who I have my uh, my red star on there. Yeah, if that's I think it's fair enough. You you hit the nail. Uh, Usually, expression hit the nail there with the um, he's got the talent. He just needs to. He really just needs to work out what he wants because if he wants to play football there's no better way to just do it than just play football and see what happens you're looking at a lot of um, a lot of uh, young players potentially now start looking ahead before they've really they've really got their um, their spurs as such playing football uh, they, they haven't earned anything yet and I think the same with Reese Oxford he had one or two very good um very good uh, performances at the Premier League uh, when he first came in and that was it it's not like he's he anchored our midfield or he played in the heart of our defence for uh, for like 20 plus games this was someone who just came in very young and, and that doesn't always work out the best so I hope he does because as you say he's very talented um, my player uh, and I'm hopefully pronouncing this slow, uh, slightly correct uh -oh. Is a uh, fashion Neufville or Neufville. Um He's a, a young player. He's a left back uh, with the other 23 side. He's 19 years old. And he's played 40 games for the under 23s. He's, uh, from what I've seen, a very powerful runner, uh, solid in that position. And at 19, if you're playing that many games at under 23 level, there's got to be something about him. Uh, I mean, I think we've all. Or had him on FIFA where he's uh, asked to play a few games. Uh, you know, I've asked, I'd like to play some games in the uh, minutes in the upcoming game, see what he can do. And I think he um, 
could be getting in with a chance again because I, I don't think left-backs are strong this position. And I think uh, if it wasn't for the fact that Cresswell is a first-team player currently and um, probably wants those minutes, we could have seen him then uh, against Macclesfield. But uh, he's played for different um, England youth sides. Um, he's not in the under-21 squad at the moment. I'd like for under-21, under-23s, whatever the England equivalent is, I'd like to see him uh, push try and push into there but I know there's a lot of uh, young talented England players at the moment and that's that shouldn't be a mark of whether someone's going to make it or not um, but yeah I think the back line is always tough because the defenders tend to sort of mature a bit later uh, because of the highly technical nature it's a lot more about positioning than raw footballing talent uh, it's very hard to pick a young defender that's going to do well which is why it was such a shame when, let's say, Oxford sort of didn't materialise into the player we wanted. I completely agree there, yeah. You can sort of maybe see the progression here of treating the under-23 side as more adults to maybe nurture this uh, natural growth and progression into uh, the the actual main squad, the senior team here. Uh, but uh, there you go. There we have it, our six players that we sort of want to see more from. They're not all supposed to be... Uh, <laughs> You know these hidden gems that nobody's heard of, but uh, we're we're right where all the other supporters are. We we want to see the academy uh, return back to its its glory and uh, and live up to its history, and we want to see these players come through and have an impact. And hopefully, the players that we mentioned can. Uh, up next, we are going to have our preview for the Manchester United match. All right, so Manchester United is up next, and Scott, uh, are you feeling optimistic? Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, taking a very similar attitude that I was for the Chelsea game. Um, I'm hopeful, not expectant. I, I think we're on a decent run, two clean sheets, uh, undefeated in three, and we've got a chance. I mean, this is a Mourinho-led Man United that, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, uh, Pogba, when he returned from the World Cup, looked like he was going to be a world-beater, and then again, he's now no longer vice-captain at United. Who knows? Will Mourinho drop him for the weekend? <laughs> Fingers uh, crossed. You, you just don't know anymore. Uh, Mourinho, uh, if you'd asked me sort of when he joined, uh, when he was at Madrid and Chelsea and these kind of things, I, I thought he was an absolutely outstanding manager. I think he just gets results. Um, but it just seems to be that he just does so short-termism. It's, maybe his intensity and personality doesn't, uh, doesn't lend itself to a... A long, a long-term managerial role, uh, but he just seems to burn, burn relationships, and uh, I think we're looking at a time when Man United are vulnerable. They, I mean, they lost to Derby on penalties in midweek in the cup. If we take the game to them, or if we just play our game that we can do, like the way we did against Chelsea, I think, I think we could really uh, walk away with something here. Um, out of the two, Chelsea and Man United, I'm more scared of more scared of Chelsea in terms of their attacking play at the moment. And I certainly don't think Man United's defence is any better. Uh, they seem to be, uh, they just seem to make mistakes. And with players on form like Yarmolenko, hopefully Arnautovic is back. The rumours are that he is. Uh, he seems to have been training this week. Um, someone like Anderson just getting in at some of the at any point we get on the break and we isolate one of their centre-backs against Anderson, he's going to have him on toast. Um, I don't... For the, very, for the first time in a long time, I, I don't think there's much to fear from this United side. Obviously, they've got some great firepower in there, but they don't seem to be working together. They don't seem to be on the same page a lot of the time. Uh, if Martial and Rashford play, maybe different, because they always seem to score against us, but... I mean, Lukaku does as well. So, I mean, you've got three players there that always seem to nab a goal, but they don't seem to be scoring for fun at the moment. So, I'm I'm, I'm confident. I'm not... If, if we lose, we lose. They're, they've spent a lot more money than us. And, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful too. The only thing that makes me not hopeful is the old West Ham killer... Romelu Lukaku leading the line. Uh, he can he can do what he what he wants, and as well, I mean the positives for them. Marcus Rashford, if he plays, can can take over a match. Alexi Sanchez has good uh, match history against West Ham. As we said, Lukaku can. Jesse Lingard is literally just waiting for a chance to break out. I think he's sort of stymied uh, with Mourinho there as well, and with him and Pogba being such good pals, I think that there's. Uh, 
a bit of a, uh, I don't know, like a, an attitude against the manager. I hope it's coming at the right time. Uh, they're going to be motivated to do something, but uh, they also should have been motivated to take control of a derby team that had no no right to really be in that match against them. So uh, hopefully West Ham can can do what they did against, uh, against Everton and, and sort of attack early and take the game rather than allow the game to play out how it will. Uh, I do feel optimistic. Um, I predicted a 2-1 West Ham win over Chelsea, which I think was silly at the time, but uh, I, I do like that scoreline. I don't want to get into predictions too much, but uh, as far as team she, er, the team uh, lineup goes, uh, are we thinking that we're not changing a, we're not changing a, a winning lineup here? Yeah, I, I, the only change I'd make is the one that was enforced before. There, Arnautovic back in for Antonio. Agreed. I think uh, I don't think. Uh, I mean, Antonio might be quicker, maybe. Uh, not too much in it, despite what FIFA will tell you. <laughs> um, and I think, uh, yeah, Arnautovic is a much better striker than Antonio is. So that would be my only only move back in. And uh, apart from that, yeah, everyone keeps their place. There's no one that deserves to be dropped or even. I don't think there's even a tactical advantage just swapping around. Uh, we probably won't have to play quite as deep as we did against Chelsea, um, but I imagine a very similar, um, a very similar outlook to the game, uh, just to sort of uh, contain their potential attacking threats and hit them quickly because I think we could we could really do them there. We could really hurt them. Yeah, I agree. I think that the midfield um, is where Chelsea, despite having Eden Hazard and Willian, uh, the midfield is where Chelsea really dominates, and West Ham did did well to sort of repel that and, and push back on that as much as they could. Um, but when it comes to uh, Manchester United, they're, they're quick on the break, and they'll send it up to Lukaku, who may not have the best first touch, but if you keep giving him opportunities, he's going to score on you. Uh, so I think that there needs to be a big match for uh, Issa Diop and Balbuena to sort of get in his face and, and close him off. But um, as far as the midfield goes, I think you're going to be able to see a little bit more possession for West Ham simply because I think their best midfielder is is Matic, and he doesn't step up as much as N'Golo Kante did, Jorginho does, Kovacic did. So you're going to basically be able to see that there's more room and opportunity for West Ham to play through the midfield, which is which is really going to, I think, help and, and support that, that attacking front three who hopefully... Uh, can take the opportunity here and and try to put one past a, a shaky back line. De Gea, you know, De Gea has the ability to to take a game and make it his own. Uh, so there's always that. Uh, but we are, I think, we're all optimistic here that uh, that West Ham can pull something out of this match. Any final thoughts on it? Yeah, I think you uh, sort of pushed at the right point there with the um, the midfield. I think that we tweeted out a uh, pass map. Uh, from analytics found on uh, on the internet uh, and it showed that basically there have been very few passes between uh, Obiang, Noble and Rice. Uh, we had been we'd been sitting and then we looked to push very quickly forward uh, against Chelsea. Against Man United we'll probably if we have those options like when Rice uh, released Yarmolenko on that run we'll have that if we have those options we'll hit them we'll go for it but I think we will see a bit more opportunity for Rice to recycle the ball, keep it, um, and actually move forward as a unit rather than sort of having our defensive side and then uh, breaking on the counter. So, yeah, I think, again, if we play well, there's no reason we can't come away with a win. Um, it's just, yeah, United have a lot of a lot of potential stars, and if uh, half of them decide that this is a game that they want to play in and actually do well, then it's going to be a tough one completely agree but i think we've, we've summed it up there there's one more thing i wanted to get to and this is a shout out to the guys from the american west ham podcast they helped us get some social media questions going for this podcast so we thank them and they had a question for us as well and it was when are we going to be doing a collaboration so uh in the near future we'll hope to do sort of uh, like they had said a home and away with them and, and sort of uh feature on each other's uh and each other's programs there so keep it locked to them keep it locked to us and uh, for Scott and myself here at the Green Street Hammers podcast, we thank you for listening, and we'll be back. We'll be back next week to talk about the hopefully positive result from the Manchester.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.